You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump says Democrats playing politics about whether or not there will be a recession. The president tweeting against Fed Chair Jay Powell will dive into the policy and politics behind President Trump's latest attack on the central bank. Plus, she says she believes in capitalism. Senator Kamala Harris courting big dollar donors in the Hamptons and doesn't have many nice things to say about socialism. The latest from the 2020 campaign trail, all of that, plus the situation in Hong Kong. Protesters now continuing in the streets of Hong Kong. Brett Bruin is here to navigate us through what all of this means for President Xi Jinping of China and the looming U.S.-China trade talk. Sean Rankins here, executive director of the Democratic Attorney General's Association. And Chris Prudhomme, Republican strategist, president of Vote America Now. Lots of talk about whether or not there will be a recession. There's a new survey out today from the National Association for Business Economics. And if you look at that, 34%, 34%. Uh, of folks, of economists surveyed by the NABE uh, say that the slowing economy will tip into recession in 2021. President Trump had a lot to say about this, as did special counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, here to navigate through all of this. Sean Rankin, executive director of the Democratic Attorney General Association, and Chris Prudhomme, he is Republican strategist, president of Vote America Now. Sean, The president tweeted out earlier today, our economy is very strong despite the horrendous lack of vision by Jay Powell and the Fed, but the Democrats are trying to will the economy to be bad for purposes of the 2020 election. Very selfish. Our dollar is so strong that it is sadly hurting other parts of the world. Are Democrats trying to will the economy into a recession? Of course not. I think that both parties would like to see the U.S. economy running strong. I think there are some uh, significant disagreements about how to do that. And I think we've been moving ourselves towards this 
you know, ongoing trade war with China, which is starting to have an impact on the average family's, you know, wallet and bottom line. Um, we don't want to see that. I don't think anybody does. Coming up later on in the program, Brett Bruin is here. Brett, uh, is, he spent the summer really back and forth with, uh, with in Europe. He's the president of the Global Situation Room and former White House Director of Global Engagement. He's going to navigate through the situation in Hong Kong, the situation with Brexit, and how all of that impacts the global forecast. So, Chris, my, my, my question, first of all, welcome to the, it's your first time on Bloomberg Radio Sound On. It is. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So you, you hear from what President Trump is saying. We just heard from what Sean's saying. I mean, make sense of, of this for us in terms of how this is reshaping the political discourse here in Washington, this, this chatter of, of, of whether or not there's going to be a recession. Well, well, of course, I don't think anyone wants a recession at all. Uh, um, I think uh, kind of what to Trump's point. I mean, it's kind of a conspiracy theory, but but also to to Sean's Ooh, point. A, a recession is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that, Chris. I'm a, you know, wow. Okay, go ahead. Uh, look, I, I think the president and administration is, of course, uh, doing all they can. All they can. Uh, consumers are working, wages are rising, uh, and, and and people are, are spending money. Uh, obviously, there's are there's a few challenges that we currently are having, but like overall. I think we're in a, a good position right now, and of course, with with trade talks looming, and uh, I think we're all hoping for the best. But certainly, no one runs a recession. So, President Trump was asked about whether or not there's going to be a recession. Uh, he he was speaking to reporters on Sunday as he left his New Jersey estate about whether or not he was prepared for recession. Take a listen to what President Trump had to say about whether or not he's prepared for a recession. And then Sean Rankin, I want to get your immediate response. Here's the president about whether or not the U.S. is prepared for recession. Honestly, I'm prepared for everything. I don't think we're having a recession. We're doing tremendously well. Our consumers are rich. I gave a tremendous tax cut and they're loaded up with money. Well, I don't know that everybody's loaded up with money. I think they're Talking to the mic, yeah, there you go. You know, I don't think everybody's loaded up with money. I think that um, there's a real question mark about, you know, who's doing well right now and who isn't. Um, We're not seeing gains across the board, and we've seen real wages, you know, going the wrong way for years. Um, I think that both parties would like to see, you know, movement in the, you know, the growth of wages for the middle class. They'd like to see that, you know, the middle is bouncing back, but we're just not seeing that. You know, it's fascinating to watch just how all of this, Chris, plays out on the 2020 campaign trail. And Beto O'Rourke, he he was just asked point blank at the University of Arkansas on Sunday about whether or not uh, he his thoughts about all this recession chatter. And, uh, you know, and he had to say that a $2 trillion tax cut adding to $22 trillion of debt, a trade war with China, shutting down markets here in Arkansas across the country. It's hurtling this country and the world uh, toward recession. So that's better of works remarks uh, on Sunday. So to your point, I mean, and when we had when we had uh, Muhammad Alarian on last week, I mean, he said, let's not talk ourselves into a recession. Uh, you now have a- actively people debating it. How does that impact everything? Yeah. Look, look I, I think it really doesn't impact it a lot at all. I think for the Democrats, going in, obviously in election year, going into that, I think it probably impacts their side much more. I mean, it's just, it's just another talking point, kind of like impeachment. You keep talking about something over and over again, it becomes a kind of a big sensation. Um, I think if you say it once, say it twice, and say it a thousand times, it becomes something real. And perhaps that's the conversation now we're ta- all talking about, including us, is because people have been talking about it. 
But is it something real? I mean, of course, anything can happen. Um, I don't think anybody wants to, but as President Trump says, he, I mean, obviously, is prepared in the sense of we don't want it to happen, but uh, what else can you do but be prepared for anything that can potentially happen? All right, cool. Coming up, we're going to check in with Brett Bruin about uh, the global landscape in terms of Hong Kong. The panel is going to stay. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Back from Philadelphia, I was there over the weekend celebrating my mom's birthday. I'm not going to say how old she is. She would disown me. But we're here back in Washington, D.C. with a friend of the program, Brett Bruin. He is president of the Global Situation Room and a former White House director of global engagement. Brett's been like jet-setting back and forth between Europe, New York City. Hard to keep up with you, Brett. But I want to talk to you first and foremost about whether or not, first and foremost, do you think we're going to have a recession? That's the talk of the town today. Well, I think the indicators uh, are pointing in that direction. And quite frankly, if the administration doesn't take some quick and effective steps to address what obviously are underlying problems in the economy, we're heading into a recession. I want to go global because that's what you do well, number one. And number two, we talked domestically earlier on in the program about trade talks, for example, between the U.S. trade policy with Europe as well as with the U.S. and China. But there are a lot of other factors going on in the world that relate to the probability of whether or not there will be a recession that candidly don't have anything to do with President Trump and don't really have anything to do uh, with the United States. Case in point, Hong Kong. I just watched you on Bloomberg Television talking about the situation with regards to Hong Kong. Big Tech is actually out uh, today. They're saying Twitter, Inc. found and deleted hundreds of accounts. Uh, It said China used to undermine the Hong Kong protest movement and calls for political change. What we're seeing out in Hong Kong is remarkable. It's a, a resilient movement that, quite frankly, few expected. And it, it has rattled uh, Beijing. They are clearly, by uh, these actions on social media, stepping up their information operations. What does that mean? It means that for a long time, China was present. We see them on street corners with China Daily, some uh, in the broadcast space with China Global Television. But these information operations represent a new, a more concerning step because what China is now doing is entering into a space where they're weaponizing information. They're going on the attack. I have been to Beijing, talked with folks uh, extensively about some of these issues. No one expected them to move quite so fast. But clearly they're feeling the heat. They're feeling the pressure. And that's why they've gone down this path. Is President Xi Jinping weaker domestically, politically, the longer these protests in Hong Kong go on? Without question. Really? And you have uh, two factors that are at play. On the one hand, the external pressure from Trump's tariffs. And, and as we've discussed, uh, you know, there are very few points uh, that I can find in this administration's foreign policy that I agree with. On the China front, though, I do think the administration is taking the right approach and they're playing it well. So Beijing feels a lot of pressure externally. Their economy uh, is uh, grinding to a halt. Their exports are suffering. And at the uh, other hand, they have this situation in Hong Kong where if they uh, show any movement, any movement that bows to the demands of the protesters, it represents a 
a dramatic shift in how they have governed both mainland China as well as how they've presented themselves regionally and internationally. So they just cannot accept uh, any of these demands, and, and it requires them to try to find some way to undermine the protesters. But as yesterday's um, remarkable uh, performance, uh, despite the rain, despite the police pressure, the threats from the military shows, you have 20 to 30 percent of Hong Kong's population out in the street, let alone those who are sympathizing with them and not participating in the protest. It's a very difficult situation. I mean, did you see those images? I, I, I was abs- I was on the, the train back to D.C. and I'm, you know, catching up on, on, on all of the news yesterday. Those images of hundreds of thousands. And listen, I'm not trying to, to, to be dramatic here. I mean, you got the organizers putting the number at like oh, more than a million people. But even the, 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 the local authorities are saying at minimum it was more than 100,000 people. I mean, think about that. In torrential downpour. Well, but Torrential I- downpour. No, no, wait. They're in the streets. They're protesting. I mean, peaceful too. Peaceful protests. And to your point, I mean, this is just... And, and it's all over this, this controversial extradition bill. In layman's terms, explain to folks what precisely they're protesting for or against. So uh, Carrie Lam, who is the CEO of Hong Kong, the uh, Beijing-appointed leader, has uh, introduced this bill which would allow under certain circumstances those who have been tried and convicted in uh, uh, courts in Hong Kong to be extradited to mainland China. This represents for most uh, people in Hong Kong a departure from the agreement that China made with the UK, which is that Hong Kong would exist in an autonomous fashion, separate from the rules, the uh, judicial process of mainland China. They have backed down, Carrie Lam has backed down on that front. However, it is not uh, removing the option. She has simply taken it off the table for now. So I'm just going to, I mean, it's, uh, to be blunt, I mean, essentially what they're saying is if you go to jail in Hong Kong, you might not be going to jail in Hong Kong. You might be going to jail in China. And that what what is so alarming about this step is you're you're looking at a situation in which China is trying to exert more and more control about how Hong Kong is governed. So things like freedom of speech, things uh, such as uh, the the right to protest, all of a sudden um, are little by little being chipped away. So for those um, uh, crimes, you could find yourself not only going uh, before a court in Hong Kong, which ostensibly has still some legitimacy, but a court back in Beijing or in other parts of China. We know what's happening with um, over a million Uyghurs in uh, the west of China who are being subjected to these camps in which they are being retrained in quotes um, to become more uh, like uh, the the Chinese uh, Communist Party uh, ideology would prefer. So I, I think all of this is is really a showdown over how not only Hong Kong will be governed, but how can China govern going forward? She put forward this very strong man image. Is it going to be able to hold up against the tariffs, against the protest? Against Against silencing social media, as we learned earlier today with big tech companies saying that they have absolutely seen President Xi Jinping try to silence 
the protesters of Hong Kong with fake accounts, with troll accounts, with regards to the hunt, at least tens of thousands of people who took to the streets over the weekend. Mind you, they weren't expected to continue these protests this long. And in torrential downpour, to see these images of the streets of Hong Kong absolutely packed in torrential downpour, it, it is remarkable. So that's on one hand. And very quick, so, th- so about the impact that that plays with President Xi and, and obviously his clout as a strongman leader, as, as Brett Bruin here so accurately laid out for us and so concisely laid out for us. Meanwhile, Europe's a mess. Europe's a mess. And we're talking about whether or not there's going to be a potential recession. But this is a glo- whether you like it or not, it's a global economy. And you've got Germany now completely on edge about their own financial recession outlooks. And what's happening in Italy with the rise of a conservative movement in Italy. And oh, yeah, Brexit. I mean, and, and you're, you're the Brexit insider here, Brett Bruin. So give us up to speed about the, the potential risk that Europe poses in, in very simple terms about the prospects of a, of a recession globally. Well, let me tell you what I heard in London just a few weeks ago. I had a chance to meet with some folks from the foreign office, from our own embassy there, from uh, the chattering classes in uh, London pubs. What uh, is happening... I love what you said there. The chattering classes in London pubs. That's where all the real people are in the pubs. That's, that's where you, you get the real deal. <laughs> yes. And what yes. we, and what, um, we heard was that Boris Johnson is taking uh, Britain off of the cliff. Now, let me offer just one um, uh, nugget that that I think hasn't yet been a a focus, at least not here in the U.S. You have the Trump administration. John Bolton was just over in London saying, I'll give you a free trade agreement, even though he doesn't have the power, nor does President Trump have the power to actually uh, pass one of those free trade agreements. Even if Britain uh, crashes out of the EU and this issue that many of your listeners may be familiar with of whether or not there would be a hard border across Ireland for Irish Americans. I love this. No, wait, because this is this is crucial because we always talk about the border of the U.S.-Mexico border. But this is crucial. The border of Ireland. Go. Why should people care? So uh, as an Irish American, this is an issue that touches so many of us so deeply because for hundreds of years, we lived in uh, our our grandparents, our great grandparents lived in a country that was occupied, that was divided by a hard border. I remember crossing it as a kid from the Republic of Ireland into Northern Ireland. What is on what is at stake right now is if uh, there is a no deal with the European Union, a hard border goes back in place, the uh, uh, island of Ireland is divided once again. I do not think that that is something that the Trump administration going into the 2020 elections wants to see Irish American outrage on. You know why we did this segment? We did this segment because everyone in the in the Washington press is talking right now about the recession, if there's going to be a recession. And sometimes we lose sight of all of the other factors going on in the world, whether they're in the streets of Hong Kong or in Northern Ireland, that also contribute to all of this. So coming up, we're going to take it back out to the 2020 campaign trail. Brett's going to stay. I am asking that Brett Bruin stay, president of the Global Situation Room and former White House Director of Global Engagement. Sean Rankin's here, executive director of the Democratic Attorney General's Association. And Chris Perdome, Republican strategist. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. 
the lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, folks. Chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Did you see this on the Bloomberg Terminal? Sahil Kapoor, Bloomberg News political reporter. Warren chips away at Biden's strength as the one who beats Trump. The inevitability factor. Remember that argument? How to work out for Hillary. Uh, Sean Rankin's here, executive director of the Democratic Attorney General's Association. Chris Perdome is here, a Republican strategist, president of Vote America Now. Brett Bruin is sticking around. He's the president of the Global Situation Room and former White House director of global engagement under the Obama administration. Right, Brett? Absolutely. All right. So, Sean, all right. You've got a million people running for president. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm being, I'm, yeah, I mean, it feels like it. feels like there is. A million people plus Marianne Williamson. Um, <laughs> so what do you think of Senator Elizabeth Warren? I, she's been really steady in the sense of how she has navigated this political season. Has she been successful at chipping away, as, as Sahil Kapoor reports, at Biden's inevitability factor? Well, I think what stands out with Elizabeth Warren is that you know last year she was uh, preparing for this run, it seemed like she was having you know trouble uh, getting moving in the right direction and sort of staying on task. Um, I've seen a real transformation in her, and I know that it's, it is breaking through. You know, when I look around my office, I'm regularly asking uh, the younger staff, sort of, who do you like and who you're following, and you know, um, there is a huge contingent in our office that sees Elizabeth Warren as a candidate who's really talking about the issues. And not only is she talking about them, she's knowledgeable about them, and she's learning about them as she goes. And so it's a really interesting phenomenon that I'm witnessing because I'm seeing, I think I'm seeing a candidate continue to get better, um, whereas a lot of candidates just rely on their personality or a few things that they've done in the past, and so they sort of stick to their, you know, their, their sort of tendencies, their, you know, their MO. And I find that she's growing. Sean, and I think that's leading to more support. Sean Rankin's here. He's the executive director of the Democratic Attorney General Association. He, he just made a great point, Chris Perdome, Republican strategist, about how she has improved as a candidate. Over the weekend, Senator Elizabeth Warren, to that particular notion, she was in Sioux City, Iowa, at the Native American Forum. We all remember President Trump has nicknamed her Pocahontas. We all remember that she released a DNA test and whatnot. It was largely seen as a political gaffe. Take a listen to what she said over the weekend at the Native American Forum. Here she is. Like anyone who's being honest with themselves, I know that I have made mistakes. I am sorry for harm I have caused. I have listened and I have learned a lot. Wow. Wow. Uh you contrast that with how the Biden campaign has responded to criticism about a host of different issues, and it's a different 
illustration of how these two leaders respond to criticism. Chris Perdome, your take. I, I completely agree. I, I certainly think that she came across uh, very compassionate um, and very genuine. Um, and and she, certainly, she certainly owned it, uh, which, which I think is uh, very, very important. And she didn't come out later or, or down the line. I mean, she certainly kind of ran towards the issue uh, and kind of jumped in on it. Rep Bruin, come in here as you as you compare and contrast Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, and and what's percolating here, and and what she had to say over the weekend at the Native American Forum. Well, I think there are echoes of 2016, and we remember how the Clinton campaign, while a very well-oiled machine, was not able to capture that emotion, that energy. You're seeing how candidates like Warren, and she's not the only one, who have been able to get a, a part of the Democratic Party excited about here. Here's the key question, though. Can they expand beyond that progressive base? Can, they, uh, can uh, Mayor Pete expand be- beyond his millennials? I haven't seen a candidate yet that is crossing demographics in the way they need to to be the standard bearer for the Democratic Party. You know, um, from my vantage point as the um, executive director of the Democratic Attorneys General Association, I'm actually hearing, particularly in, you know, you'll hear, you'll understand for obvious reasons why, in, you know, Kamala Harris and Steve Bullock, um, much of their record as attorneys general. And so what I'm actually finding is that I think they can expand beyond the base. It's really just requiring that they actually talk about their successes, their record, but it has to get a little bit beyond personality. I think personality is great to start, but I think you have to just make sure you're talking to people and that, you know, with the the points that have been made here, it's really about, um, you know, authenticity. It's about being genuine. It's about showing people who you are. And that breaks through. Totally agree. Uh, you know, and what I find interesting and in just having covered Senator Warren since her literally first day on the Senate Banking Committee is that she has ingrained herself in the Democratic Party in a way that the other candidates respectfully just, you know, I mean, even the debates that are being had on Medicare, if you agree or disagree, uh, she and Bernie, I mean, they were really there moving the party and reframing the debate amongst Democrats over the past couple of years in a way that that the other candidates either weren't in office yet or have not been in Congress or served in Congress yet. So, you know, she's she's being in in many ways like the political referee of the party. So uh, to to Sean's point, she has really ingrained herself in there. You mentioned Senator Kamala Harris. We're going to talk about her coming up because she was in the Hamptons over the weekend. She was in the Hamptons. Fundraising in the Hamptons, Senator Kamala Harris in the Hamptons. Panel stays Brett Bruin, Sean Rankin, Chris Perdome. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Nobody's done in two and a half years what I've done, and I say that a lot, and very few people can challenge it. The first two and a half years, nobody's done what I've done in terms of tax cuts, regulation cuts, the military, the vets, the choice, so many different things. Nobody's done that. That was President Trump when he was asked over the weekend about his chances of being reelected. He made those remarks uh, to reporters just the other day, yesterday, as he left his New Jersey estate heading back to the White House. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television. Bloomberg Radio here with me in studio, Sean Rankin. He is executive director of the Democratic Attorney General Association. Chris Perdome, Republican strategist, president of Vote America Now. Brett Bruin, 
president of the Global Situation Room and former White House director of global engagement in the Obama White House. This is what this is really truthfully, gentlemen. First of all, thank you for being here. Truthfully become one of my favorite segments, which is what's on your radar or what's in your notebook, as we say as us reporters, like empty out your notebook uh, and, and things that you're tracking that maybe you're going unnoticed uh, that we don't really get to. So I'm going to kick it off with you, Brett Bruin. What's what's in your notebook? Well, I just wrote a piece recently for Business Insider about the lack of debate on uh, of national security issues in the Democratic primary. It's alarming. I mean, you take a look at the last two debates that CNN organized. There were one, two, three minutes of debate on these really significant issues. We're talking China. We're talking Brexit. We're talking Ebola, Mexico and, and immigration, Iran. Venezuela. The list goes on. We have to have the Democratic Party. Don't leave it up uh, to the television networks organizing the debates. The candidates, the party needs to get serious about national security if we want to win this election. You track all of these issues. Brett Bruin, president of the Global Situation Room, former White House director of global engagement for the Obama White House. You've been like a diplomat in a trillion countries. I'm exaggerating just a tad, but uh, you've been in Venezuela. You've been in the Middle East. I mean, what are you noticing or what are the major differences in terms of, oh, I don't know, a commander-in-chief Joe Biden versus a commander-in-chief Elizabeth Warren? Well, let me give you an example. And and there's a lot of energy around some candidates uh, at this stage. They're putting out these proposals. Take, for instance, this proposal by Buttigieg. We're going to pull out our troops from Afghanistan within one year. I saw that over the weekend. Yeah. In reality... And, and just over the weekend as well, we had 63 people, civilians, killed at a wedding in Kabul. You've got the president uh, trying to uh, negotiate a superficial deal with the Taliban. So we have no idea where we are going to be two years from now. And so those kind of promises are exactly like, and, and obviously I work for President Obama and I have an enormous amount of respect for President Obama, but I was on a forward operating base outside of Tikrit when President Obama was sworn into office and I watched during that year as we pulled up the stakes and we unfortunately pulled out far too early. And I fear with these kind of shallow proposals where, you know, being mayor of South Bend, Indiana does not qualify you to be commander in chief. And I'm not supporting any candidate, but I, I, I am hard-pressed to see how Mayor Pete becomes Commander-in-Chief Pete. Wow. Wow. All right. We're going to let that sink in. Sean Rankin's here, Executive Director of the Democratic Attorney General Association. What is in your notebook? Sean Elections. Rankin. So whereas uh, Bruce was uh, Brett. intimating— uh, Brett. Sorry, Brett. Sorry, right. sir. Now um, I kind of want to call him Bruce, but I'm not because he's Brett. <laughs> um, we're talking about for the, years. <laughs> the 2020 elections, um, you know, for Democratic, for attorneys general, as well as uh, governors when we're talking the down about, ballot you know, races. Well, we like to call them middle of the ballot. I like, um, okay. No, you know, you know respectfully, so, um, I apologize. I should have said the middle of the ballot. But, you know, these, uh, these statewide offices have tremendous power. And in 2019, we have, you know, three races um, in Kentucky, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Uh, currently, we have two of the AGs who are both running for governor. So... Um, uh, Andy Bashir in Kentucky and uh, Jim Hood in uh, Mississippi. Um, but these are three red states. You've got to run uphill. Um, we've got our work cut out for us. And, 
you know, as we get ready to to turn into the fall, it's you know, it's time for the stretch. Run. How do you win in a red state? I mean, you mentioned Bashir for. I mean, how how do they win? What's like very quickly? What is like their issue number one on their on their agenda? Well, you know, when it comes to attorneys general, I mean, one of the things we find is this is the one office that Republicans will actually cross the ballot and split the ticket for, um, and part of that is because the the attorney general has the. Uh, there's an expectation that this is the one person on the ballot that really is supposed to be looking out for you um, and pushing back on both, you know, the state government and the federal government where needed. And so Republicans and independents are willing to give us a chance. Um, and so you win by actually having the best candidate and talking about things that matter to people. This is why we had Sean Rankin on, executive director of Democratic Attorney General Association with Chris Perdome, Republican strategist, president of Vote America Now, uh, because you've got Sean trying to win Dem Dem spots in in red states and and Chris, you know a thing or two about expanding minority voters in the Republican Party. What's on what's in your notebook? Well, well, I, I think uh, for us overall, getting more millennial minority engagement in the election process and to understand the issues itself. Uh, I, I certainly think that President Trump is doing an outstanding job, and he probably will. I'm actually certain that he will increase uh, uh, the African American vote uh, this year. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's about getting young people and to understand what the process is and what issues are. Uh, uh, Brett, to your point uh, regarding not talking about national security, I think it's absolutely important. I think it's I think that's the unfortunate thing about the media. They talk about things that that they know the public want to hear about, that's exciting, but things they, they think right. the public wants to hear about. Absolutely, and I, and I think it's absolutely essential that we spend more time talking about national security more than other. Not saying that these things are not important, abortion, other issues, but National security is national security. It should be more than two or three minutes. It should be more like 15 minutes. It should be a whole debate. There should be a yeah, national I, security debate. You're absolutely right. You want to know what's on my, my radar? Senator Kamala Harris was in the Hamptons. I love this story on the Bloomberg Terminal. you got to read it. Uh, I'll tweet it out uh, by, by two of my colleagues, including Amanda Gordon. They say, quote, Teslas and Maseratis lined the street as Kamala Harris greeted guests sipping drinks from plastic cups with her name on them and eating cinnamon sugar donuts. I love donuts. From <laughs> Dreesen's at a fundraiser hosted by movie executive uh, and his uh, Jamie Pitcherkoff and his wife Kelly as the summer of Democratic fundraisers rolled on in the East Hamptons. But she had this to say that she says that she is, that she believes in capitalism. I believe in capitalism. That's in quotes. That was her message uh, to the donors. It's a fascinating tension in terms of Democrats as they seek to navigate the, the rise of po- the rise of populism uh, and democratic socialism within that party. So the debate rages on. I want to thank our panel, Brett Bruin, Sean Rankin, Chris Perdome. You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.